When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the show. The Denver Nuggets will get going in an important free agency period in just about an hour. Starts at a 4 p.m. Mountain Time. We know that Bruce Brown, of course, is the focus of all of it at the moment because the Nuggets won't make any moves until they know otherwise. But that may be moving quickly. Joining us now to talk about it is the host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, as well as the lead Nuggets writer here at Mile High Sports, Ryan Blackburn. NBA Blackburn is the follow on Twitter, Pickaxe and Roll podcast over on YouTube as well as MileHighSports.com. Ryan, thanks so much. And uh, as the day's gone along, you and I talked about this earlier today off airs. We were talking about you coming on. Uh, Sandy and I have heard the same, and then a report uh, from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports that the Indiana Pacers may be set to just uh, have one of those situations where when they talk to Bruce Brown, they don't want him to leave and go to the next meeting, maybe offering him a multi-year deal at $20 million a year or more. Obviously, that would spend his time with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, What is the latest that you've heard? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I I do think that Bruce Brown is, is he's currently courting with teams right now. There's, there's no doubt that Indiana is one of those teams. The Lakers are one of those teams, the Dallas Mavericks. There, there's plenty of suitors for Bruce Brown, who I think is seen as one of the bells of the ball for this particular year. Uh, he, he had such a great fit with the Nuggets over the course of this year as the sixth man and made himself invaluable. And, and is just one of those guys that, you can absolutely see working on any other team in the league just because of how malleable he is, how versatile he is, and how competitive he is. There's a lot of stuff that he can do. Uh, my general sense right now is that Denver, like their offer's on the table. You, you know what Denver can offer. It's basically one-year deal and then re-up with Bruce in, in next summer uh, with, with a slightly lesser deal than what he could get now. But I do think that that risk is... It's, it's something that I think has been undersold by folks here locally a little bit. Yeah. He's got to get that money. Like that's, yeah. that's what, that's right. what he's got to do. I mean, you're, you're asking a guy to sacrifice more than $8 million and that he'll never get back. You know, it, it, it'll never make that up. And he's entering the prime of his career. Uh, maybe it's already begun. That's a lot of money, even for one year, especially for one year. $8 million plus to be giving up. And man, if Indiana were to offer something that would almost triple what he could make here, I mean, that's a no brainer, isn't it? Indiana oh, has the inside track, I guess it would seem to me at this point. Yeah. The, they and the Houston Rockets are really the only teams that have, the because they have money. the money, right? Yeah. They, they've, they've got the, the extra spending power. And I think Indiana, They've always wanted to get better. They've all they they do not like to be at the bottom. They do not like to be 
non-competitive. And I think that Bruce is one of those guys with the defense, with the connectivity, with everything that he does. Uh, There's a lot that they they see in him that he could be a great option. And I I think that he's a guy that would really help them at least get up to where they need to be competitive. Uh, Do I think it's the right decision for them in the long term? Probably not. But for Indiana, they've never really thought about it that way. They're they're a team that's going to try to get to being a competitive playoff team, and that's about it. So presuming that in one way or another that that he moves on, uh, you had a story today over on My Life Sports where you put together uh, options to replace him, and obviously it's not going to be a, a one player that's necessarily going to do that. There's a reason the Nuggets would love to retain him, and there's a reason that Bruce Brown is likely to get paid. But the, the cupboard is not entirely bare because in the end, uh, not to denigrate anything Bruce Brown has done, but he, he's your sixth man. And the Nuggets have the luxury of at least uh, returning uh, Christian Brown as well, who is putting up enough numbers to be really the seventh man over Jeff Green. What do you see makes sense if Bruce Brown does move on, and how quickly do you think the Nuggets will react? Yeah, I think the the general feeling that, that us Nuggets folks are getting is that the Nuggets are interested in elevating Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Vlatko, Zeke, bringing back Jeff Green, bringing back DeAndre Jordan, basically using internal development and internal growth as a means of of continuing to stay as competitive as they possibly can. Uh, I I don't think that you're going to see any major splashes. Denver doesn't have the money or really the, the luxury to be able to do that. But I do think that you might see one small ad, whether it's on the, whether it's in a trade or it's in free agency, uh, to try to help replace Bruce Brown a little bit. But the vast majority of what the Nuggets are going to do is going to be based off of the development of their internal guys, particularly Christian Brown and Peyton Watson. They love those guys, and they, they think that they have a, a strong uh, pathway to continued success with those two. And you might in turn uh, add the draft picks in, right? As guys who maybe don't exist at the beginning of the year, at least as part of the rotation, but gradually could be brought along sort of the same way that Christian Brown was this year. You you always have that. And I'm wondering of those three, uh, if Brown leaves, who would be the closest to Bruce Brown? Not necessarily stylistically, but could give the Nuggets more of what they don't have. And Sean made a good point during the break about Strother and the three-point shooting from NBA range, maybe being the first guy they'd look at in that way. I mean, I, I when I think of Bruce Brown leaving, I don't necessarily go to Pickett, and I, I don't go to uh, the Gillespie from Clemson. Oh, Hunter, Hunter Tyson, even, yeah. even Gillespie, who hasn't played. In the NBA, I don't go to uh, Hunter Tyson. I don't go to uh, Colin Gillespie. But but the uh, but there's one guy you might go to. Well, are you thinking Peyton Watson? Is that the guy that you're? Well, no, no, no. I'm I, I'm saying you pointed out Watson and Brown, and I agree with that. But I'm just saying of the three draft picks, could one of those three more easily fit in? as perhaps a part of the nugget rotation. Now I'm not saying he'd be a seventh or eighth man or anything. I'm saying maybe a ninth guy. 
I, I think if you're looking at the three rookies, then Jalen Pickett's probably the name that I'd have circled there. Really? Play, more yeah, than Strother? I, I, I think so. I think that because what, one of the things that Denver needs is a ball handler. That's that's something that they they let go of when they traded away Bones, uh, and then Bruce Brown kind of a, a, like he assumed well, I, I, that. Let it go when they got rid of Monty Morris, who is more a classical oh, yeah. point guard, pass first, steady. And I think I think that that's a guy that they missed. That's absolutely. I agree. A guy with, that, I, I agree with you about you, that. I thought they did miss go, Monty Morris. Yeah. When you let go of a guy like Monte, he he is a. He's a true point guard who could set the table for just about everybody else. And, and Denver missed that this last year. It's one of the reasons why their bench basically eroded in the minutes without Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray will be better on that front this year. I think he, he improved as the season went along and then played his best in the NBA Finals as a playmaker. I think that he will probably stagger a little bit, but you want somebody else who can also create. And Jalen Pickett, to me, if he was the guy who, who stepped up in that regard, that, that would not surprise me. I don't think the Nuggets want to put him into that position, though, which is going to really be a stressor. That's going to be, that's going to be probably the biggest burden on Denver next year is that backup point guard position unless they can add somebody else that's more of a veteran fit. We're talking with Brian Blackman of My Life Sports, and over at My Life Sports today, put together a piece, 25 free agency and trade targets for the Nuggets in the offseason. Uh, the interesting part was the idea of trades, and obviously the Nuggets uh, can and have done that, but they seem pretty satisfied with their draft and develop strategy, but you believe that if Brown does depart, it makes sense to have more than a few different targets that may be accessible via a trade. Uh, what core sort of players might be on the way out, and who would you look at to potentially bring in? Yeah, I hear from the Washington Wizards. that I mean, they're, they're basically trying to right. turn over their entire roster and, and two guys that you have to have circled there are Monte Morris and DeLon Wright. I don't think that Monte is a guy that Denver actually wants back. I, I get that sense that they that. would prefer, they prefer the size, they prefer the defense, they prefer having somebody who's more switchable. And DeLon Wright, I think, makes sense there. Uh, a couple of other guys, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was just, uh, he, he wasn't extended a qualifying offer by the Minnesota Timberwolves. He seems like a player that is ripe for development, ripe for an improved role, somebody who can do everything that the Nuggets want him to do, uh, while while also being on a relatively cheap contract. Dennis Schroeder is another yeah, name to watch. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. You just went somebody, back to back with the two guys that we we've talked about, and we believe it'd be great fits. So yeah, no mm-hmm. argument there. I, I think there are some personality questions there, but I I do think that he would be somebody who. Uh, in a short-term capacity, would make a lot of sense. Um, uh, another guy is Javon Carter from the Milwaukee Bucks, who probably will be back with them, but they, they also have a lot of other roles to fill. Another guy on that team being Joe Ingles, who would be a bigger playmaker, not necessarily a point guard, but more of a point forward, somebody who could step in and provide a little bit more playmaking for Denver on the wing. So, there are some options that they can go with, but it means that they have to spend. It means that yeah, they can't just yeah. let that go. They have to take advantage of this window with the taxpayer Emily that they possess. But if you're looking at someone like Alexander Walker and a, and a Schroeder, uh, you might be able to fit both of them in and still be able to sneak under that apron. One of the other interesting players that, that you and I talked about that I, I teased up a little bit because some size would be helpful too. Yuta Watanabe out of Brooklyn. Now, it, the Brooklyn Nets obviously got overlooked because as their uh, – whole idea about four years four years ago today really when Kevin Durant signed there and, and that it's all blown to pieces ever since 
But the Nets finished up with a rather interesting assemblage of players. Watanabe at six foot nine with some defensive skills and the ability to shoot. It's kind of one of those guys that may end up even being added potentially on a veteran's minimum, but as that type of game that, again, might be a, a, a better fit with someone like Nikola Jokic and the way, at least stylistically, the Nuggets play basketball. Yeah, I do think that he, he's one of those under the radar guys that. You, you see moving in free agency, a smart team picks him up, and then he's playing a role by February or March with the team and, and really helping with them with a playoff push. He strikes me as one of those guys that is smarter and more athletic, and he's already 6'9 and shot the ball really well last year. After they made the trades Brooklyn did that sent away Durant and Irving, he really struggled. But up until that point, he was a great role player for them, and somebody that I would have my eye on if I were the Nuggets. Now, are they going to have to spend that taxpayer MLE on him? I don't know. Are they, can they get him for a minimum? If so, then he would be a great target for the minimum. Somebody who I think the Nuggets would trust when it comes down to a, a tight rotation in the playoffs. This is an interesting uh, league now. Uh, what is it, about 200 free agents? <laughs> How, oh, yeah. Right There's now. A lot of them. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I I think you look at some of these guys at the top and there's all this talk about Kyrie and how Harden's uh, decision or any move that Philadelphia makes. And apparently uh, he's opted in and now is uh, awaiting a trade that they might work out. And it occurs to me, once again, that whether it's Kyrie, whether it's uh, Van Vliet even, uh, who else? Uh, Middleton? Green, James Harden sitting out there. I mean, yeah. There's Grant. Some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you've got all these guys. And the Nuggets don't need any of them. Let them right. score up somebody else's team. I mean, all these top players presumably want to go to contenders. I I just think the destabilization of the NBA is a remarkable part of the story right now. Even some of the top teams. I mean, a team like Philadelphia actually did win more games than Denver this year. It didn't mean anything, but it happens to be true. They they just stabilized themselves. What what are they going to do? I'm reading today they're going to trade hard and bring in Kyrie. If there's any yeah. player more destabilizing at this point than Harden, it's probably Kyrie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. There's 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 a lot of question marks with what the Sixers are going to do. I, I'd actually circle Zach Levine as the most likely target for them, um, just in, in terms of finding an opportunity to be the best version of themselves that they can without giving up too much on the offensive end. Uh, but that's, it, it's a downgrade. And then Zach Levine is fine, but he's not really solving any of their issues. And the Sixers have issues. And I think their issues were more at the, the Joel Embiid, Daryl Morey level than they are at the James Harden level, if I'm being honest. So it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating thing, probably if you're a Sixers fan. But if you're a Nuggets fan, if you're looking at all these teams, all of these contenders, and wondering who's going to be the team that steps up, I think you've got to be pretty happy about the the actual levels that these teams seem to be reaching right now. Now that could change. Let's say the Clippers trade for James Harden, and now you've got to deal with that trio. 
it would be weird, but I do think that uh, there's a there's a possibility that they're pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they got a lot of big names, but the, two of those three guys never play, and there are times you wish the third guy, Harden, in this case, wouldn't play, especially in big playoff games. I, I, I just – that's kind of what I'm talking about. That's just more – I, I wouldn't worry if I were the Nuggets about Harden going to the Clippers. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't bother either. me at I don't, all. I don't think, to be clear, I don't think that they're worried about anybody else right now. They're worried about bringing back the players that they need. If, if it's Bruce Brown, then great. But if it's not, then it's making sure that they continue to develop this organically. Uh, Denver still has, I think, a grasp on the top of the league. They, they feel very comfortable about the group that they have. And, and whether Bruce Brown is a part of it or not, like they would certainly prefer that. But they know just how good they can be, and they know that not a lot of other teams can compete with them at their best. The moratorium uh, on signing, of course, negotiations can happen in, in about 45 minutes, but uh, the moratorium on signing will be July 6th. Do you believe the Nuggets uh, will have already selected someone if, if Bruce Brown moves on and gets somebody ready uh, to be signed on that date? Or do you believe, given the fact that they don't have as many needs, maybe they wait for a few days for this market to settle and then uh, cherry pick? I do believe that by July 6th, they'll will have a pretty firm idea of what the roster is going to be. My guess is that Bruce signs, whether it's with the Nuggets or with another team, either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, he could sign in a couple hours and or within the next couple hours, and it wouldn't surprise me either. But uh, I do think that Denver knows basically what they're going to do. They're going to bring back a couple of their own free agents. They are going to replace Bruce Brown if that's what it takes and they will maybe add somebody on uh, on a minimum and that's that's just about it but they the thing is they've already they've already got 10 roster spots solidified a couple of those are going to go to their own guys and we'll, we're we're just going to see what happens i i do think that the july 6th date is interesting because that's when the uh traded player exception for monte morris back from last off season that's when that expires so they will probably have made a at least a significant move to their rotation by July 6th. That would be my guess. He is Ryan Blackburn, our lead Nuggets analyst at Mile High Sports and the host of the uh, Pickaxe and Roll podcast, which you can, by the way, check out uh, on YouTube or you can listen to it. Uh, either way, a uh, fresh one out there. And of course, uh, free agency the Ryan is the guy you want to follow. So hopefully we'll know a little bit more one way or the other. I suspect with you, it might be a, a tough weekend for Nuggets fans, but soon enough uh, there will be changes. And in the end, um, you're still the champs. So, and they seem to think all, all teams, uh, things seem to be working pretty well in the front office. So we'll find out what the Nuggets do soon enough, but you want to make sure you follow uh, Ryan at NBA Blackburn on Twitter for all the latest. Check him out at mileasports.com. Ryan, we'll have a wonderful and safe holiday weekend. Awesome. Thanks guys. Good luck to you. All right, thanks so much. Ryan Blackburn joining us. So what do you think about it? Uh, increasingly the momentum seems to be that Bruce Brown will move on uh, the phone number and text line here is 303-831-1340. What do you want the Nuggets to do? Are you looking for a bigger name, or would you be looking for uh, the Nuggets to maybe step up? Maybe it is Peyton Watson. Maybe Julian Strouder. Maybe uh, Jalen Pickett. Go with the kids or try to find somebody else. Uh, the options there are interesting. There is enough money to do something. Sandy and I have made some suggestions over the course of the show. I'll explain how we could actually make it work for all of us next My Life Sports. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. My tummy's turning and I'm feeling... 
Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, 16 million un- under the second apron, Sandy, is where the Denver Nuggets are. We're going to go off the uh, presumption that when free agency hits, uh, Bruce Brown is likely to move on at this point when you're hearing reports that uh, Indiana is ready to offer him a $20 million a year deal. Uh, good for him, by the way. That, that would be tremendous. But it, it doesn't mean gloom and doom for the Nuggets. We've talked about a couple of these players here. We've talked about uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We've talked about Dennis Schroeder. The interesting thing is ESPN put together a piece of what they projected these salaries ranges for some of these guys. And, and, and you can quibble. In fact, a lot of them I look at it and I'm like, mm, really, including Bruce Brown's $12 million because I think he's going to get more than that. But you look at a Schroeder, and they say six to eight million. So let's yeah, say seven million, right. and I think that's probably about right. So that replaces Bruce Brown, basically, right? They have Nikhil Alexander Walker at four to six. So let's say five. I actually think he'd get more than that if he doesn't. Uh, that's a bargain. Okay, so now uh, you're at twelve million, and we talked about Yuta Watanabe, who's got some defensive skills and uh, a six nine forward who can give you some size. They have him at the veteran minimum. If if you're the Nuggets. And I understand that they have uh, plenty of, of bodies on the roster already. But at the same time, you can add all three of those guys, remain under that second apron, and some of the players that you have, you you simply let go. Because remember, the guys under contract, it's a little bit different. There are guys that are moving on. Uh, Jeff Green made the dollar amounts that would match up with, say, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah. So you'd be looking yeah. at the, a possibility where you could make those moves if that if those projections were right. And like I said, I, I take them with a, a couple of grains of salt. But if that's the case and you look at guys like uh, Colin Gillespie or you look at Jack White and you have them on two-way deals, that can fill out your roster and you're really not adding much of anything. Brown's salary would be replaced. Jeff Green's salary would be replaced. You could add someone younger. The, the Nuggets do not have to get worse despite losing Bruce Brown. The depth that they've acquired, the youth that they've acquired, assuming some of that gets better, and the ability to acquire external talent, I don't think the Nuggets necessarily have to make a significant drop-off. When you're talking about losing Bruce Brown, I think it's a big loss. I mean, I'm as big a Bruce Brown guy as there is in town. I was before he even got here. Not saying he's easy to replace. But I do think when you boil it down to say wins and losses, I don't know if the Nuggets really have to concern themselves about falling three, four games worse by losing Bruce Brown, if at all. I I don't know. I'm not completely comfortable with the notion that I've seen in print more often than I've heard it, that, oh, you just bring everybody back and the unrestricted free agents they have right now are relatively inexpensive. And I think even Ryan mentioned, oh, yeah, well, sure, bring back uh, DeAndre Jordan and uh, bring back Reggie Jackson. Oh, yeah, sure, bring him back. Uh, bring all those guys back. Well, they weren't part of the rotation this year. Right. And I... I don't know that you bring them all back, but I, I don't know that I can visualize multiple players coming in here in free agency, even though they could conceivably afford to bring two or three guys in. I, I see Jeff Green as a guy you bring back in kind of the Adonis Haslam 
roll with my ass. But probably at half his salary. Not five, not five point eight. Oh no, no, somewhere between two and four with with Jeff Green. Um I I could see that happening, but maybe Jeff Green wouldn't play as much. Uh I I'm not sure I see either end of the extreme, but I do think that it's correct to assume Christian Brown, Peyton Watson will get a chance to move up. Mm-hmm. And I'm more convinced about Christian Brown's capacity. Oh, I don't think there's a question to about do Christian that. Brown's capacity. Uh, Watson's still a bit Watson, of a Watson, I, I really don't know. You're kind of playing four on five offensively when he's out there. As, as much as he hustles, as much energy as he brings, pretty good defensive player, uh, isn't afraid to play defense against uh, anyone. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at all three of these draft picks, and I, I think one will emerge more than the other two. And who's to say that there will be more than one who actually spends most of the year in a Nugget uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they'll play a lot because I, I, I still think Malone's going to go with basically an eight-man Your five starters, season you said, Christian Brown is the sixth man. We, we I mean, yes. I think it's safe to say so we know So you're looking that at Brown seven and eight. Seven and eight. Now, do these free agents' perspective? I think uh, if you add Alexander Walker and Schroeder, I think they, they're seven and eight, if not even maybe six. Yeah, okay. Uh, but would it be better to give the younger kids a shot at filling one or two of those it spots. Might be. I I don't know. And I think they have to look ahead too when you're talking even about replacing Bruce Brown's uh, salary, which you, you, you could certainly do. But down the road, do you want to get too close to that second apron? Um, uh, because down the road, you, you want to have some cushion between well, the first and second. You Jamal don't want Murray to be needs too an close extension. to the second. That's uh, what I'm Christian saying. Brown he's is eligible. Need an he's eligible, I believe, in October. He is, October. In fact, the deadline is October 23rd for that's an extension the final for Jamal, day they can do Jamal Murray. And uh, the, that's going to happen one way or the other. So you're right. That's that's a big, uh, it's a big part of the equation. I, I think they will tilt toward the less expensive options I could which see, would be the young guys. I could see an Alexander Walker who may age. make between four and six, who's also only uh twenty four years old. You hope that he can fill some of that Bruce Brown role. You actually roll with, with Jalen Pickett as your backup point guard, knowing that it's not going to be a tremendous amount of time necessary. Uh you let Strouder develop at his pace and if he starts to, to carve out time, say he surpasses Watson hypothetically, okay, that's fine. I agree. I think they can add they have the ability to add more. I think they'll add one. Now, I also think when you look at the that back end of the bench and the quote-unquote veteran leadership, I'm fine if they bring back Jeff Green or DeAndre Jordan on a veteran minimum. I'd rather it be Green they, because they, he proved he could play. Back both. I wouldn't bring uh, back both. Bring I don't both. think that's I, to their advantage. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I would tend to agree with you. Probably not because neither guy would play. And you would have to pay them both <laughs> a little bit of money. And if you're not going to play, but I think you can have one senior citizen. I agree. 
who's there. Who's their voice? And, and maybe you have to choose Kenobi, between Green and, and Jordan. Uh, and I, I, I could see him going in either direction, frankly. Mm-hmm. But and 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 maybe it'll end up being Jordan just because there's more interest in Green as a player Correct. around the league. That's where I was going to go. I think there's I think there's been more. Yeah, Jordan is considered washed up, right? And may still, still be is in kind of a lot of ways, way. yes. but wasn't a problem, wasn't divisive anyway. And, you know, there was the value of having someone who was a starter on a pretty good playoff team, particularly during his days with the Clippers. Yes, and I, th- I think that does, that matters. I think one of them is coming back. I don't necessarily know which one of the two is coming back, and I agree with you. I think that's fine, especially youth. I think there's value in grabbing a... Uh, a mentor type, especially because you know that all these young players that you drafted aren't going to get to play much, and they're going to maybe need to understand, have someone teach well, them how to be a pro and understand, look, this is how it goes. And, You're going to have to bide your time. And the mentor I think who there's is value. here is more valuable than the mentor who would have to be brought in. Right. And the guy was here. And who experienced so I'm fine with either year, one. That, I just want to bring back That would both. qualify both Jordan and Green, obviously. Yes. They I, were I, here. That makes sense to me. And... It's a. It's going to be tough to to replace Brown, obviously, if he moves on. But I don't know if it's necessarily uh, impossible. And I, I, I think he is not irreplaceable. And I I think we t- what we've we're talked about guys talk, like Thomas Bryant and yeah. one of you guys you could bring uh, back restricted free agent. Maybe I, maybe cheap twenty six. Maybe it works. I don't think he's plays big minutes, but I think you you retain that yeah. inexpensive depth. Well, it, depending on how inexpensive he. It turns out to be we'll we'll see i don't think he's going to be highly sought after but you know i i i guess i wouldn't rock the boat too much i i think we're, we're trying to give a nuanced presentation here in terms of what bruce brown represents he is valuable but he is not indispensable you don't lose bruce brown and say well there's no way we can repeat Correct. No way. Will it require more creativity, imagination from the head coach and his coaching staff? Quite possibly. Christian Brown will probably Quite have to continue to possibly. improve. Uh, yes. But, again, it's all tied together. They seem to trust Christian Brown more in the NBA Finals than they did even in the Western Conference Finals, mm-hmm. right? It grew. It grew I as they went. I hope that trust now has been earned to the extent that if Brown leaves, Christian Brown becomes that maybe not 25 to 30 guy that Bruce Brown could basically be, but at, at least a 20 to 25 guy per game, 20 to 25 minutes per game, and, and they'd have to commit to that. And... I'm still a little uncertain as to how committed they would be. And it can't be a grab bag thing. We'll, we'll, there, there was enough of that this year, especially yeah. the first half of the season. I think the second half, it settled down a little bit. And when you're a championship all, caliber all three team, guys, you have listen, to have roles. all three guys were valuable. I and honestly, if I, I, if I were to look back at the season, the first half was terrific. The playoffs were great. I'm not sure Caldwell Pope and even Bruce Brown, the second half of the year, were all that good. I, I'm not. I'm not sure they were nearly as good as they were the first half of the year and in the playoffs. 
I don't know what that means, but that they're going to be some peaks and valleys next year because they have a target on their back that they've never had before, and they're going to have to be patient with guys who have been here and and resist the temptation to say, well, if Christian Brown isn't quite Bruce Brown, then we've got to give Strother a shot. We've got right. to give Tyson a shot, or we've got to give Pickett a shot. Now we've got to start scrambling our rotation. You have to allow that to develop over the course of the year, because if, say, Strouder or Pickett happens to come quickly oh, and looks, then you have to adjust but, but and adapt. That's, that's, that's a but very right. delicate calculation um, that I thought the coach managed especially well in the playoffs, but there were some questions about how well he managed it during the season, and you heard Ryan say it, the non-Jokic minutes – during the season weren't great, especially the second half, and witnessed the games that Jokic didn't play, mm-hmm. most of which the Nuggets lost down the stretch. But there was also the playoff non-Jokic minute, well, plus minus of minus three. They did let fine me give you a when Jokic was a, a breaking news that might alter your perspective, Sandy, because uh, this is a player that you, you've spoken highly of. We know that the Phoenix Suns, of course, have, they traded for Bradley Beal. They are retaining DeAndre Ayton. They're four guys on the top, make them uh, in the past the first apron by themselves. They're going to have to basically go with league minimum guys. That means, in certain cases, turns out in this case, moving on from a restricted free agent. Surprisingly, Phoenix, according to Jake Fisher of Yahoo, who's been having a good day today, is pulling the qualifying offer for center Jock Landale, who will now hit unrestricted free agency. That's a player that actually gave Nikola Jokic more trouble than DeAndre well, Ayton did in spots. It's relative. But, but I mean, DeAndre if Ayton gave Jokic but if, if no you trouble. want more size, all of a sudden, well, there I you mean, go. I think Landale is one of those guys in the, you know, Plumley. Um, well, I, I, I wouldn't. He's not going to be as expensive as uh, Hayes or Wood. Uh, and certainly I don't think, not I don't, even I don't nearly as expensive, expensive as Pernell or, or Brooke Lopez. Uh, maybe less expensive than Plumlee. We'll see. Um, I, I, I'd be fine with Landale. I, I think he's scrappy. You, you probably better at least call, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, huh? you, might not have been the plan, but maybe you should pick up the phone. Yeah. I I, I, I would have no problem with that at all. So uh, At all. I, I this thought is he gonna... was scrappy. I, I, I didn't think he was afraid of Jokic. He isn't uh, no. nearly... Uh, player who would even be considered in the same universe, certainly not the same class as Jokic. But but as a backup, I think he'd be a willing, competent backup. I think buying Jokic more to 12 time on the bench, given the fact that you've talked about how the team seems to have learned how to play without him, I think getting him more ben- minutes on the bench over the course of the regular season would be immensely valuable. Someone like Landale, who all of a sudden becomes available, yeah. you have to kick but the th- tires. Th- you have to kick the tires, but I also think what they did in the playoffs in going with small lineups, not using Jordan as a backup, but using Gordon effectively as Jokic's backup, that seemed to work well enough in the playoffs. Well, over at Superbook Sports, we're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code Mile High, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. And that means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet with up to $250 
with promo code MILEHIGH. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter that promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. A little something fun to do this weekend. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Well, the Denver Broncos are less than a month out of training camp. How much impact can Sean Payton make on a bounce-back season for Russell Wilson? The guys over at ESPN first take. A lot of uh, excitement over at ESPN today, by the way, is a lot of talent uh, ends up I don't losing, know if I call it excitement. losing their jobs. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yeah, movement at least, shuffling deck chairs. But the folks at first take had an interesting spin on what Sean Payton might bring to Russell Wilson. We'll hear from that and react next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Over on uh, ESPN's first take today, and ESPN, by the way, uh, more than 20 layoffs of significant on-air talent uh, today, including Susie Kolber, uh, Steve yeah, Young. Who, who I like. Uh, I mean, there's some, uh, Steve Young is on that list. I heard he might be. He's definitely on it. Uh, that's at least the, the, the last that, that, I, that I had heard, I guess. Was, it's still it's still coming I, out. But Max Kellerman, uh, Jeff yeah. Van Gundy, Keyshawn Johnson, Jalen Rose, uh, LaFonso Ellis. Todd McShay's on Ashley it Brewer, too, Todd McShay. Uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, LaFonso's on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, an awful lot of talent on there. Uh, pretty sort of dramatic round of, of layoffs. But um, as, as they recalibrate, getting ready for the NFL season, the folks at First Take had an intriguing discussion a bit about Russell Wilson. Obviously, a lot of people around the country are looking at Russell Wilson as a bounce-back candidate, in part because it's hard to imagine how much worse he could play, uh, given his career history and the way he played for the Broncos last year. But I want you to hear, Sandy, what they, they seem to believe Sean Payton did with Drew Brees and how quickly you could turn around Russell Wilson because I suspect your opinion might differ. When you go in the Hall of Fame, you should not look at a guy in question or look at a woman in question if they belong there. When I go into the Basketball Hall of Fame and I see Cheryl Swoops, I don't question that. I know what a Hall of Famer looks like. When I go into the Baseball Hall of Fame, I see Hank Aaron, there's no question about that. But there's still a lot of guys that are very good and I go, mm. I don't know. And yeah. Right now, Russell Wilson is there. Now, I will say this. He has a chance to make himself a Hall of Famer because he's got a guy in his corner called Sean Payton. And I saw what Sean Payton did for a certain guy named Drew Brees where he was having a very good career, wasn't a bad quarterback. Sean Payton put the heel in hands of Sean Payton on him. And the next thing you know, <laughs> Drew Brees was lighting up the National Football League. Russell Wilson's in the same spot to have a guy that he can put his healing hands on him. And we see a continued Russell Wilson adding to those numbers and being an impact player then he can make a strong case for the Hall of Fame. But as of right now, I don't see a Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson. I actually completely agree with But do you think that, that Sean Payton can turn it around that quickly? Well, he's not predicting that. No. He's saying in order for Russell Wilson to convince him, and I'm not sure who that was. Do we know? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, shuffled around, uh, yeah. First take this morning. Well, uh, if we can figure out who that was, it would be uh, – I, I, I agree with the point. That's that's what matters. I I mean right now I, I, I agree. think he's saying that if Sean Payton can have an impact on Russell Wilson. No, Freddie Coleman on that. Freddie Coleman. Right. Yeah, I thought the voice was familiar. It was a good take by Freddie. Um not a hot take or anything like that. He's saying 
under the conditions that conceivably could exist where Wilson makes a market improvement. We talked about this the other day. Uh, EPA per drop back, he was 27th last year. His 36.4 total QBR number was also 27th in the league. If those numbers, instead of ranking 27th in the league, become 12 to 14, then maybe you start to resume the Hall of Fame discussion. But what Freddie Coleman says there, and I agree with him completely, is that as of right now, he ain't a Hall of Famer. And nobody was saying that a year ago. We weren't saying it. He was a surefire Hall of Famer. That's how bad he was last year. His, uh, and this came from another uh, ESPN columnist, I believe, who uh, suggested his legacy is sitting on a 2023 fulcrum, which means this is a pivot point. And after this year, he either has a shot at the Hall of Fame or he has no chance, no chance at being a Hall of Famer because you see that what he disliked in Seattle was actually good for him, and he should have stayed there and kept his mouth shut and been a team guy instead of this obsession he seems to have with becoming a celebrity when being a very good NFL quarterback and maybe a borderline Hall of Famer wasn't enough. He's about the money and the celebrity and couldn't play anymore. And actually there were signs of regression, not as dramatic as we saw last year, but signs of regression his last couple of years in Seattle. And it had nothing to do, by the way, with a broken finger, which I've heard suggested. I said, well, of course he's not. He broke his finger and his form hasn't been good. Actually, when he came back from the broken finger, first game, he wasn't very good. After that, I thought he was even better. He finished the year a lot stronger yeah, it, than he started it, it certainly it in 2021. It didn't come into the Broncos play by any stretch. Broke the finger, it had healed long, long past that. So I think that it is, it, it's, I, I do love the idea that even not talking about Wilson, that Coleman made about you should be able to know. And this has been my complaint. I'm really not trying to rip on the guy, but it's been my complaint forever that for, for years, People have been talking about a guy like Phillip Rivers. Oh, Lock Hall of Famer. Look where he is on the on the on the charts in passing yards and touchdowns. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He played in an era where passing yards and touchdowns are cheap and easy. Uh, never won a, un, uh, Russell Wilson at least was a starting quarterback on an NFL championship team and almost a second one. Uh, I, I I get the point there that at a certain stage you have to start looking at people in the context of the era in which they played. And right now. A 4,000-yard season is reasonably easy to get. Uh, John Elway never got there. I mean, think about that. And so you have to take a look at some of these these comparisons based on the era in which you play. You realize, though, that not since Peyton Manning in 2014 have the Broncos had a quarterback who was basically considered a starting quarterback. And I apologize, by the way. In 93, he did sneak over 40-30. I realized yeah. as soon as I said that. Just a bit, teeny bit. Otherwise, that's it. The Broncos have not had, in almost a decade, a quarterback who had both a 3,000-yard season and a 50-plus QBR. Isn't that amazing? 
By the way, not it, one in the same season that's has had scale. a QBR at 50 or over combined with 3,000 yards, not 4,000 yards, 3,000 yards. And Wilson, in terms of QBRs we just outlined, fell far short of that last year. He was supposed to be the guy we also, oh, of course, he'll break that string. Russell Wilson really is the proper successor to Peyton Manning. Of course, he'll have a QBR of uh, 50 or above because he pretty much always has. And, of course, he will have probably closer to 4,000 than 3,000 yards. Mm -hmm. Oops. You know, so I, I think, listen, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer as things stand right now. And unless he regains a spot, I'm not saying he has to be top 10 or top five, but unless he regains some level of credibility, people are going to look at the the best years in Seattle and say it was the defense that carried him. He didn't carry the Seahawks. The defense carried the Seahawks. And in the Super Bowl year, yes, he was a good quarterback, but he wasn't sensational. The defense was what, carried Seattle to the Super Bowl victory they earned in 2013 and a Super Bowl they reached in 2014. Wilson's best statistical years came after that, but the team got the back uh, got back to what? One championship game? Conference championship game? One. One. Now, I know to Bronco, well, we just like to make the playoffs. <laughs> right. But they weren't close last year and frankly, They'd have been better off bringing back Teddy Bridgewater than the, than Ooh. having the Russell Wilson they had last year. Teddy Bridgewater, in games he started and finished here in Denver, a terrible Bronco team, won seven games and lost six. I'm just saying. It is. In games he started and finished. And I know because if you start a game and your team loses, even if you're nowhere near the field in the second half of that game, you get charged with a loss. So he was 7-7. Seven and seven. Mm-hmm. But that Cincinnati game, he got he got hurt in. Locke finished the game. They lost the game. And strangely enough, that was the year Cincinnati went all the way to the Super Bowl. Going into that game, they had the same record the Broncos had, I believe. I may be a little off on that, but I remember reacting after that game and saying, if either one of these teams go to the playoffs, I'd be surprised. And I certainly knew Denver wasn't going there. I'd have been shocked if Denver went there. But even Cincinnati in winning that game, they got a lot better. They won that game in a squeaker. Right. But, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and, frankly, Trevor Simeon, not as terrible as they were remembered as being. They they weren't part of the clown show. They weren't. I, I there were a lot of fair. guys who were. And you know what? Last year, Russell Wilson was part of the clown show at quarterback. That's one of the reasons that Sean Payton is the head coach now, obviously. We will find out uh, how that continues to go. But when you're talking about what Payton's job is on step one, it is to basically bring the Broncos back to respectability. And that means in the way they function on a day-to-day basis, practice, games, all of it. We will find he out said that. soon enough. And yes. he said it's not for everybody. The question is, is his way of practicing, meeting, training, is that for Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson talks a good game, but Russell Wilson is not famous for responding to but hard coaching. You pointed out this is sort of this is the uh the fulcrum point for his career. It is. 
If you want, it if, is. If you want to be a Hall of Famer, if you want to be a Hall of Famer, saying you wipe away all the good right. things he's done, he gets to keep but all to the money. be a Hall so, yeah. of Famer, you got to be something right. special. This last season needs to look like a blip, and that means exactly. you have to be a lot and better. It has to be seen as a blip induced only, only by Nathaniel Hackett and no one else, including Russell Wilson. And to do that, I'm he's going to have to be a lot sure better about that. I, you know, Hackett was an incompetent coach, but. Russell Wilson was responsible for Russell Wilson being awful last year, too. Well, he's going to have to be responsible for being a lot better as the Broncos will go to camp in just under a month. Uh, We wish you a very happy, safe uh, holiday weekend. Of course, uh, we're going to actually take a break as well with the uh, the, the long run with the uh, the Nuggets and the Ash. That's right. We're going to be off uh, next week. Obviously, we're going to be off third and fourth anyway. We're just going to go ahead and get get ourselves uh, back there, take a deep breath. And be back exactly Re-energize. as you Re-energize. Boy, we'll have a ton to talk about, uh, don't you think? Most certainly. We'll definitely... Post-free uh, agency? The 10th, we're going to be ready to go when we come back. So we will catch all of you soon. Thanks so much for everyone who interacts, who catches the show uh, on the air, who catches that on MileySports.com, watches it over there, or on the app where you can listen and watch it and get all of it on demand whenever you'd like. Danny Bailey's in the booth that makes all of, all of that work. We wish you, again, a very happy, safe holiday weekend. And week next week, we will be back a week from Monday. For Sandy, I'm Sean. Keep it right here on Mile High Sports. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.